everyone, and welcome to the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me is Linda. Hey, guys. Part two. Uh, how does it feel being back on the podcast? I'm excited. We've got a lot of stuff down that we can talk about, and I'm really excited to get jumped in and discuss them with you. Yeah, yeah. The, um, not quite as news heavy like as last week where we're going to be hating everything that we're talking about. It's kind of a light week, which I appreciate because we don't get those too often, Yeah. Um, especially not in Corona time. So I'm really appreciative of everything that we're going to talk about. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about Buzzsprout. Because today is a great day to start your own podcast. And whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all of the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more within just minutes of finishing your first recording. So, Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We at the Into the Borough podcast use Buzzsprout and can definitely attest that it's a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used in the past. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab some gear that you already have, then find a quiet space to record and talk about all of your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. So, we can't wait to hear your passion. And uh, that's that's about it for Buzzsprout. Um, yeah, great hosting, great hosting service. Honestly, so easy. They have a bunch of tools. You know the, the little, like, cool little video sound bites that I do weekly? Uh, those are from, from Buzzsprout. I don't even have to do anything. I just have to select, you know, basically when I want the uh, video to be like where I want the video to be created. And then it just pops out nice and easy. And, uh, I think it looks pretty good. So, um, yeah, Buzzsprout, uh, definitely check them out. And, uh, like I said earlier, if you follow the link in the show notes, um, not only does it let them know that we sent you and helps our show, but you also get a $20 Amazon gift card out of it. So not a bad gig if you sign up for a paid plan if you're thinking about podcasting. And I would highly recommend podcasting because it's fun. I think we should get into the news. Perfect. If you would like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships, Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do here on the Borough Reviews, it follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube, Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions, and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash the borough reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. The latest news from last week. Theaters everywhere are beginning to reopen across the United States and on the international scale. And Marcus Theaters is no exception to that. 
Rebecca Pale, a box office pro, writes, Marcus Theaters, the fourth largest exhibitor in the United States and fifth largest in North America, has provided details on the reopening of the bulk of their theaters throughout the month of August. Marcus locations will reopen with a mix of classic and new titles. With this news, the top five chains in North America have dated a reopening for a substantial chunk of their theaters. AMC is opening 100 of their approximately 600 U.S. locations this past Thursday, while Regal will begin opening theaters on Friday, August 21st. Cinemark, which has already had a handful of theaters open, plans to complete their phase reopening by August 28th. Approximately 80% of Cineplex theaters in Canada are already open. All Marcus theaters will reopen under the chain's new health and safety guidelines, which require social distancing, food pickup in dine-in theaters, and required mask usage, except when eating or drinking. Ben Pearson of Slashfilm writes, Buried at the end of a recent Deadline article comes the news that a reboot of William Friedkin's 1973 horror classic The Exorcist is being developed for a theatrical release in 2021 by the folks at Morgan Creek Productions. A few years ago, Morgan Creek Productions rebranded into Morgan Creek Entertainment Group and began developing several of its library titles for reboots, sequels, and remakes. In 2015, the company explicitly promised they would never remake The Exorcist. The project is not even listed as in development on the company's IMDb Pro page. Justin Kroll of Deadline writes, Sony Pictures is not only growing its slate of its universe of Marvel characters, but it's building on the female characters at the center of it, and looks to have landed one of the most sought-after female directors in Hollywood. Sources tell Deadline that Olivia Wilde has closed a deal to direct and develop a secret Marvel project revolving around a female character in the universe. While not confirmed, it is expected that the story will be centered on Spider-Woman. The film will be penned by Kate Silberman, with Amy Pascal producing. Rachel O'Connor will executive produce. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, the masterminds behind the hit Netflix sci-fi horror series Stranger Things intimated that they have more adventures in store for the Hawkins, Indiana gang. Filming on season four had gotten underway in Atlanta before it was abruptly shut down due to the coronavirus. But if there's a silver lining, Matt Duffer acknowledged that all while in quarantine, they have been given the chance to hone in on the story for their current season. Quote, we've had a lot of time to work on the scripts. For the first time, we have all of the scripts written and we're able to look at it as a whole piece and make adjustments. While Netflix hasn't officially announced Stranger Things 5, the good news from the Duffer Brothers essentially confirms what star David Harbour, who plays Sheriff Jim Hopper, said back in July when he teased that at least two more seasons were in effect. Production on Stranger Things 4 is expected to resume as early as September 17th. Depending on whether Netflix and producers implement new safety and health protocols, the industry has instituted to protect the cast and crew from COVID-19. Scream 5 has a couple of new fresh faces added to the cast listing. And that concludes your last week's news update. Did you know that we have our own YouTube channel? There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies, and even some Let's Plays.
Lately, we have been focused heavily on our curated horror content. But we have a goal to get to 100 subscribers by the end of the year, and it would mean everything to the team to reach our goal. Simply search The Borough Reviews on YouTube and make sure to subscribe and ring the bell if you enjoy the content. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. All right. So we got a lot of news to talk about, but I'm really excited for all of it. Um, first, I want to start with our local theaters that are reopening. So, um, and this comes from an article from Box Office Pro, but Marcus Theater is the fourth largest exhibitor in the United States and fifth largest in North America, um, has reopened 35 of its theaters this past weekend, and then they're going to do a remaining 30 later on next week uh, for the opening night of New Mutants. So um, they plan to at some point do the rest of them um, out of because they have 91 locations, um, according to this article, and uh, they want to have most of them open in time for Tenet, which releases on the 3rd of September. Um, And again, they'll they'll reopen with a mix of classic and new titles. We kind of talked about that last week. Um, But, you know, this kind of signals uh, to every other chain, um, and they didn't start it, I want to be clear. AMC is the one that had the, really, AMC and Cinemark are the ones that had the initiative to reopen. And with this news, um, it kind of encouraged uh, Alamo to open up, and it also encouraged like a lot of like local like mom-and-pop theaters to like open back up. So I'm curious to know what you think about this, um, because we did have a theater open up here in Lincoln. Uh, the Grand opened back up, um, yeah. and uh, also the Alamo opened up um, in Omaha. Not the Midtown location, but the La Vista location opened back up, and AMC is planning to open up next week with New Mutants. I think AMC Oakview Plaza 24 um, is going to open with New Mutants, and then a couple of the other ones are also going to follow. So uh, I'm curious to know um, if you think that basically all of the theaters in Nebraska, at least here in Omaha and Lincoln, are going to be open by the release of Tenet, which would be September 3rd. I mean, I I guess I kind of have the same opinion as I did with the AMC theaters opening back up. Just kind of it has its fair shares of pros and cons. It it looks like they're going with the same safety guidelines mm-hmm. that AMC is going with, you know, the whole social distancing mask unless you're eating and uh marcus had a really cool feature where you could order like stuff like grilled cheese nachos things like that like hot food and they actually delivered it to your seat and um so instead of that they're actually doing food pickup instead so you kind of have to wait for your food and get it yourself which it makes sense (laughs) considering the situation um I just find it funny how they just took a survey from the theaters that have already opened. And Mm -hmm. that's what they're kind of going off of. Like our survey here says that like 97% of people were, were still happy despite uh, all the changes that we had to make. And so based on that, we're going to keep opening up places. And so, I mean, I, I guess since, you know, they took a survey, everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, survey, like, it's what we should follow for health guidelines. Um, um, before you told me that we were going to go over this article, I actually uh, saw an ad from mm-hmm. 
you know, the Marcus man himself, your BFF, wow. talking about it. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm wondering if Jared's watching this with admiration. <laughs> oh my god. Um <laughs> well, you know, like the thing is, um a lot of the theaters are doing like touchless service. So basically you mm-hmm. pay for everything before you get there. Um and I guess it's okay. Uh, the the Lincoln cases are they continue to decline. Um, the amount of cases that we're getting a week, I think it's because we implemented our mass mandate uh, earlier than Omaha. So for us, like it's all happening much faster. I think because uh, I mean I know Omaha's their theaters particularly are following suit with Lincoln, but I think we're a lot better off here because we had that mask mandate in place such a long time ago Mm -hmm. and our cases continue to go down. Like I just saw, um, you know, the COVID meter um, last night, actually, the mayor posted about it and the COVID meter is now in yellow, not in orange anymore. Um, So we're getting better. Uh, We just need to keep it up for the rest of the year um, like we are. And I think, you know, if you want to go out to the theaters, I think that's your prerogative. I think you can go. Um, But also, if you feel like safer, like streaming from your own home, I think that's totally okay. And we should normalize that just as much as going out to the theater. I mean, I think... Until the theaters act are actually like up and running to normal speed, I would rather stay home mm-hmm. just because there's limited everyone in the film community basically delayed all their releases, so not much is going to be able to come out anyways. Yeah, but I'd rather go back into the theater once everything's pretty much like back to normal and there's actually more movie options. Because I mean, out of all the like releases that are set to come out. The only one that actually like stands out to me is the new mutants. And I don't know if that's just because I like, you know, the X-Men mm-hmm. series and that's what that's based off of, or if it's just because of how long it's been in production. But I mean, that's really the only thing I'm interested in seeing in theaters anyway. So I, I might as well just stay home, you know? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately I don't think new mutants is streaming anywhere. Um, so they're not doing like, um, a box office and VOD release at the same time, which is something that like, I I believe to my knowledge, Bill and Ted, which releases in, Mm -hmm. I think next weekend with new mutants, actually they're doing, um, an at home release. So a VOD release as well as opening in the theaters again. Um, and I think that's the smart tactic just so that you, your, making sure that everyone can still watch these films. Um, I wish that new mutants was doing it, but of course uh, this is going to be the one time that I mention this, but um, it's Disney and we all know they don't care about you or me or anyone else. They care about their box office revenue. So (laughs) go get COVID at the theater, they say, Um, because you really want to see this movie that uh, has been in production since 2017 and hasn't been released and is on its fifth theatrical release date. Um, I'm glad they're actually sticking to it this time. I mean, I don't know how busy the theaters are going to be. I guess I really want to see like what the opening numbers are going to look like um, because I'm, I'm honestly really curious about it. But just to kind of finish up this portion, uh, I have a Lincoln Journal Star article here. <laughs> Big sigh there. Um And I just wanted to let the local folks know kind of what's going on. So like I said, the Lincoln Grand already opened up um, and South Point and East Park are going to open up on August 28th. So again, that's going to be the date um, 
with uh, the New Mutants and Bill and Ted um, releasing. Also, they're doing like Marcus and all of the other theater chains, from what I understand, are doing an early like release for Tenet. So Tenet, um, if you get the tickets uh, that they emailed out, um, basically you can see Tenet uh, three days early. <laughs> so you can see it on the 30th, um, the 30th uh, I believe. Um, that may not be right. Let me get my calendar out just to make sure. So the 31st, they're doing it on the 31st. Um, so you can see Tenet up to three days early for a $15 ticket. So 15, 15 bucks a pop. Uh, you can go see Tenet early, um, maybe avoid some of the crowds because it's on Monday. But again, people are so eager to see movies again and go out and do things that it may actually um, be the opposite effect where people are actually going to the movies on Monday. But um, they're doing that. And Edgewood uh, here in Lincoln um, still has no like planned opening release date. Um and uh, the Ross actually opened up on Friday as well, which I was kind of surprised uh, to see. I guess it makes sense with um, UNL being back and, and you know, the, yeah. the fall session kicking off. But I I still, like, didn't think that the Ross would be anywhere near, uh, you know, on the opening track that these other theaters were. So was that surprising to you? Uh, No, not really, to be honest. I... Like, at least, like, we're doing a soft opening. I mean, Mm -hmm. from living near Lincoln, in Lincoln for a while, we could have totally just opened all the theaters and just said, you know, what the hell. And so I'm really glad (laughs) that we're at least doing soft openings everywhere Mm -hmm. and, like, taking into account, you know, like, schools coming back in session and, you know, Things like that. I mean, it's really sad, actually, driving by Edgewood. It just, it looks abandoned at this point. I don't know if they're going to open it back up, to be honest with you. Um, They haven't renovated it. It's the only one that they haven't renovated. Yeah. It doesn't make them a whole lot of money. As someone who has seen the numbers, because at one point I was management for Marcus Theaters, and beyond that, I was operations management, so I could actually... um, you know, see all the numbers and I'm not going to disclose any of the numbers, but what I will tell you is Edgewood, as far as Lincoln theaters go, does not make money hardly at all. So, um, it's kind of sad and I don't know if they're going to reopen back up to be honest. Yeah. Cause you like, you see the movie posters outside of that building and like some of them are like knocked over and it just looks dirty and it, it literally just looks like an abandoned movie theater. And so it, it just looks so sad because that's the theater that my family always went to. That was always mm. our go-to theater because it's close enough to Waverly. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, if they don't open up, like, I get it because, like you said, they don't make enough money. But at the same time, it is just kind of depressing. Yeah, it's depressing. Um, but uh, it's a great place to shoot a movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> abandoned theater. I mean, like, who, who wouldn't want to shoot there? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, and just in case, uh, before we move on, anyone, you know, wants to know, um, another Marcus property that will be opening up this week is the Marriott Cornhusker, uh, <laughs> for anyone who cares about hotel news. Um, so moving on from that, I wanted to talk about, uh, a Deadwood or not a Deadwood article. Sorry. I I've been, I've been watching, a Markiplier on YouTube play Darkwood, um, oh it's great. Uh, so I had that in my head. Um, I want to talk about a deadline article um, because there's this random deadline article that came out this week um, and it and it was talking about um, 
It was talking about a completely separate thing, but they happened to mention Morgan Creek Productions and the fact that there might be an Exorcist movie in development uh, for um, a theatrical release of 2021. Uh, Firstly, I just want to get your take on, do, do we need, do we need an Exorcist remake? To be honest, I don't, I don't think we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is like a wildly unpopular opinion in the horror community, but the exorcist really didn't do that much for me. Yeah. Like it, it was a cool movie to watch nonetheless, but I mean, I didn't find it scary. I don't know if it was because since it's from like the seventies and like older movies from that time are used to being a little bit slower paced. But, I mean, it was just a little too slow for me. It didn't really have much of an impact on me. Um, the only thing that actually stands out to me from that film alone is, personally, I think that it actually helped revolutionize uh, special effects in horror movies. It it really opened the doors for a lot of horror directors to just kind of show them the real potential for practical effects and what they can really do with a horror movie. And so that's the only real props that I can give for the exorcist besides its impact on a lot of people, despite not necessarily having a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. So with this remake, that being said, I am honestly a little worried that they're going to rely too much on like actual CGI because I think what would be a really good idea is to actually keep going with the practical effects because I mean, CGI special effects or practical effects I mean, they've both changed and have grown over the years. So it's been, what, like 30, 40 years since The Exorcist came out? came out in 1973. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think they should honestly keep with the practical effects in it. Just, just to kind of say thanks to the original Exorcist. But I just know that they're going to plaster it with CGI instead. So that's just a little disappointing. Unfortunately, it's the way of, it's the, way of the world now. Unless you're... Um unless you're Christopher Nolan and you can get the studio's blessing to spend a lot of money on doing practical effects and big, you know, set pieces, uh, they're, they're hesitant to do it. And it's, it's cheaper. It's, um, it's quicker to do it. Um, the way of digital and, uh, you know, with the exorcist particularly something that like people always point to, um, from the exorcist is it's reliance on, you know, practical, and so, yeah, not only would you honor the the original by doing it that way, but also there's a quality and a sense of timelessness uh, when you do practical effects. Because right. um, as we've seen, things that that came out a decade ago, for instance, that were heavy CG did not age as well as something like Jaws. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and simply because of the practical effects usage. Um, and you know, it's a staple of old Hollywood and I wish, I wish we would use it more often, but again, I understand cost. Um, I understand not everyone can really make those practical effects work, but you have all of this talent in Hollywood just kind of going to waste. And because of the hard line production schedule that we have, unfortunately, 
you know, in the industry now where things need to be completed in a timely manner. And, you know, it's kind of like the music industry in the sense of no one really is releasing full albums anymore. Uh, We get like a bunch of singles released and then we get an album that maybe has two or three songs that you haven't heard on it. Um, Right. The whole the whole industry, the whole marketing is changing behind our entertainment as we know it. And because of that, it's going to change, you know, it's going to morph into things that we might not like. And unfortunately, (laughs) especially like with recent horror, it kind of has. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Recent example that I can think of is uh, The Nun, where they had an overabundance of CG and uh, jump scares everywhere, and there was no real like dread. Um, partly because you know that like they didn't really put that much time and effort into the nun, right? They just yeah. they wanted to capitalize on kind of the success of the Conjuring and um, make you know maximize their profits at the end of the day. And uh, I think that's kind of what we're missing. We're missing some of that that. Uh, that amateur filmmaking that that made Hollywood what it is today. Yeah, I mean, it it's just it it's one of those movies, one of those highly anticipated projects where it can very easily just be a total piece of garbage or it could yeah. very easily just be a very halfway decent reboot. And I think I'm I'm hoping that they know how much they have on their plate with a project like this. Mm-hmm. Cause it's one of the most popular movies out there. Like it freaks people out. And I'm just, I'm hoping that they take into account what they did in, in the original and really just build up from that instead of, instead of trying to change it too much and have it, you know, end up like poltergeist. Like yeah. no one remembers that there was a remake of poltergeist mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. Or the remake of Psycho, the shot for shot, uh, Vince Vaughn. Oh my god, the Vince Vaughn one? Don't bring that one up. (laughs) Um, No, uh, so, uh, you know, they, like, they, okay, Morgan Creek has been on record um, for a few years now, since 2015, saying that they will never try to attempt to remake The Exorcist. But again, this news, like, it comes into question, like, what exactly they're doing with the project. Is it a remake? Is it a reboot? Um, Most people are leaning towards reboot, which I think would be the right way to go about it. Um, Mm -hmm. A continuation of the story rather than trying to remake everything about it and try and and get that same, like, that same feeling that you had, like, watching the first film. Kind of like you, I didn't have that same reaction to it, but I know a lot of people did. And for a lot of people, like you, you'll go online and you'll look up, you know, best horror movies of the last, you know, several decades. And typically at the top of the list is always The Exorcist. So it struck a chord with people. And if you go to remake it and you're changing a bunch of things, or even if you're doing a shot for shot remake and there's no substance to it, um, people aren't going to respond to it the same way. And you're going to lose a lot of money because of it. Like, even if you didn't like The Exorcist, you can't help but have a lot of respect for it just yeah. because of like the immense impact it's had on not only the movie industry but on its audience as well it's it's impressive like everyone knows the exorcist whether mm-hmm. they've actually watched it or not there's been spoofs of them it's inspired like so many supernatural movies that we have right now and so i mean if even if you didn't have that same kind of impact that most people have had, you you just can't help but feel a lot of respect for the movie for what it's done. It's 
really impressive because yeah, it, it is like jaws you know like it's it's kind of a masterpiece in the cinema so mm-hmm. yeah um so um you know we'll try and update you on like what's going on with that but unfortunately it was just like again it was one sentence in a deadline article out of nowhere um <laughs> and no one can reach into like morgan creek hasn't confirmed anything um the original director hasn't confirmed anything uh, so who knows what's going on with that, but we'll try and keep you updated. Something I did want to talk about was Olivia Wilde being tapped to direct um, an untitled female-centered Marvel movie. So um, I don't know if you watched Booksmart at all. Did you watch her like directorial debut with Booksmart? Uh, no, I've been meaning to. I saw it's on Hulu, so I really want to watch it. It looks like it's really funny. <laughs> It's fantastic. Um, I really like that was one of my favorite movies of last year. Uh, So when I heard this news, I was super excited for a couple of reasons. I'm glad to know that Marvel has taken the initiative to include more female filmmakers, because for a long time, specifically with, you know, uh, the first few phases that we got right up until Endgame, it was there weren't really any stories um, centered around females. There wasn't very many directors and like um, female, like writers that were attached to those projects. And the result of that was black widow being completely undermined that whole entire, that whole entire set of films. And so when I hear Olivia Wilde's tap to direct one, I, I get the sense that they are trying to change um, the, the production status a little bit of these films and kind of who they're, they're taking into consideration who they're attaching to these projects and really thinking about like what, what director, who would be best suited to handle these stories that we want to tell. And so Sony Pictures um, is not only growing its slate of universe um, and Marvel characters, but it's building on the female characters at the center of it. So no one knows what she's directing, but it looks like it might be centered around Spider-Woman because Mm -hmm. there was a tweet from Olivia Wilde after um, Deadline broke this story. It was a Deadline exclusive, I believe. And uh, after they had posted on Twitter, she retweeted with a comment um, of the like spider logo. So people are already assuming that it's spider woman. And if it is like, I mean, it makes sense. It's at Sony. Um, They own the rights to Spider-Man and that property, uh, the film franchise that is. And uh, it it would only make sense for it to be spider woman. So I'm guessing that's probably what it'll be. Uh, How do you feel about this? Do you, do you watch Marvel movies very much? Uh, I do. I grew up in a family full of nerds, so I am very familiar with like Star Wars and the Marvel franchise and DC. So yeah, no, I definitely grew up surrounded by these superheroes, by all these kinds of stories. So I am really excited about that too. Uh, I I actually do have a couple of opinions based on this article that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was of Olivia Wilde. I, I actually think that is a really good idea. I mean, in every single, I love o- Olivia Wilde. Like yeah. I really do. Every single role that she has played that I've seen, she has this immense, like she has such strength in her. She has a very like strong character in anything that she plays and I know that, that that is just like 100% from her. 
And so I think that they are in good hands attaching Olivia to this project. I think she will do great things with it. Um, I did see that there is a rumor that it's going to be a Spider-Woman movie, which I also think would be really cool because Spider-Man, like, that has been growing a lot of popularity lately, especially with Tom Holland's Spider-Man and Into the Spider-Verse. I know that movie was really popular when it came out. Uh, so I think that would actually be really fun to watch, too. Um, I am curious to see who she will have as Spider-Woman, because, I mean, in the Marvel Universe, Spider-Woman was played by three different people. You had Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane Watson, and Jessica Drew. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that they actually point the focus towards Jessica Drew, so I'm sure if you ask people if they know who Jessica Drew is, they're going to be like, who's that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, a lot of people, that flies under the radar so often. Yeah, and Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane Watson, I mean, they're they're so popular in the comics. And, and I totally understand that because of mm-hmm. Peter Parker, they're his love interests. But there's they've already been played. They've already had their stories. They've been in these movies for years now. And I just really hope that they point the focus on Jessica Drew and actually bring that character to light just because she hasn't been pointed out yet. Yeah. um, And I actually think that they will for a couple of reasons. So um, no one knew really much about Miles Morales. You know, uh, the movie going audience didn't anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, fans of the comic you know they and all of the comics like there are so many comics that are centered around like miles morales that like you know for comic fans it's not it wasn't a huge surprise to see miles morales on screen as spider-man into the spider-verse um and with with that character specifically i think if they were to do something like this it would be a smart move because a the studio is kind of brilliant for hopping on the all the spider-man hype that's kind of been occurring since tom holland um was cast in you know the sony and uh marvel led movies and like into the spider-verse was magnificent got rave reviews did really good at the box office and again that audience largely didn't know who miles morales was and so if they do it that way again it's going to be new it's going to be exciting and um and I want to point out too that the the film is written by a woman. It has a woman producing, um, has a couple of women producing actually, and mm-hmm. so it really like they're not just like you know attaching a female director to kind of hit their quota or whatever. They're actually trying to make it, you know, as a as female led project. Yeah, um, which I think is brilliant. And so tapping on a character that um, isn't well-known is going to do a couple of things for uh, their story. It's one, it's going to make it exciting because people don't Mm -hmm. know much about that character Two, um, It kind of gives them the ability to uh, go any direction with it. Right. Talk about any themes that they want to. Right. Um, And it will feel completely fresh. And uh, I have a feeling that especially with uh, everything going on right now with Corona, um, when they do release this, it's going to feel like a breath of fresh air. And Uh I feel like people are going to respond to it very well. Yeah. And that was, that was another concern that I, that I had with uh, Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane Watson being Spider-Woman instead. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've already had numerous actresses play both of those characters. 
And so it's just, it's kind of like when you uh, put out the same like movie with like the same character, but with different actors playing them each time you throw a movie out there, it gets super stale after a while. It does. I mean, thank God with Spider-Man, when Tom Holland was playing it, it, it did feel a lot fresher. And I think, I think they went a, a pretty good direction in that one. Yeah. Especially since Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man wasn't like all that great for people who are actually fans of the comics. Yeah. And so I think instead of like constantly putting the focus on those two ladies to just bring up someone new and like actually sharing her story will actually put this movie in, in a good direction and actually making it a very fresh story like you put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think overall it's just a very very good decision it's smart um for for you know sony and um and and disney to kind of come together and and work on something like this that i feel like because olivia wilde's directorial debut was so great and because olivia wilde is just in general a really respected like actor um among Mm -hmm. you know hollywood execs and uh her castmates and everyone everyone likes olivia wilde is the point and so it's really exciting news and i can't wait to see what they do with it but uh i want to talk about um some tv news i don't feel like we've had very much tv news on the podcast recently but something that did catch my eye um was the duffer brothers uh had an interview in the hollywood reporter Um, about their upcoming season four of Stranger Things. So filming on season four was already underway in Atlanta before it was abruptly shut down due to the coronavirus, kind of when everything else was shutting down. Um, But in a recent interview, the the brothers acknowledged that all the time in quarantine has given them a chance to really hone in on the story for the current season. Um, Quote, for the first time, uh, we have all the scripts written and we're able to look at it as a whole piece and make adjustments. Um, so that kind of implies a couple of things. Number one, it implies that the show was so like rushed in production that they didn't have a full fledged story, uh, kind of, um, complete before they started filming. So they were probably writing like the episodes as they went, um, which isn't uncommon for, for film. If, if you're familiar with like how production on like, um, TV, you know, TV shows is, but, mm-hmm. uh, with something like as popular as stranger things, I thought for sure that they had things written out years in advance because you kind of have to, if you're going to like a network and you have this idea, they kind they kind of want to know the trajectory, but number two, it also indicates that Netflix like isn't as hands-on as I thought they were. Um, and all the credit that people give them for kind of letting, letting the creative directors, letting the filmmakers actually do what they want to do. Um, it kind of gives it more like weight now. Like I actually kind of believe that Netflix is kind of hands off with it and just let's just trust the filmmakers to do what's right. Right. Uh, Which is interesting to say the least and something that I wasn't necessarily expecting from Netflix, even though the reports indicated that that's how it was. Um, how do you feel about this? Um, I feel a couple of things from this. Uh, I kept, I kept seeing articles saying that they were going to stop after the fourth season season. So I honestly thought that that was going to be it, but I guess Mm -hmm. with the pandemic going on and everything, it it gave the Duffer brothers a lot of time to think, and they found ways to actually stretch the story out and 
uh, do something different with it. So then they could actually give us an extra season. So I was really excited to hear about that. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) This article brought up like a lot of feelings in me because last year when that third season came out, oh my God, I was bawling. I was like crying on my bed and I had to show up to work crying and everyone's like Linda are you okay and I'm like no <laughs> like Hopper might be dead that's <laughs> just yeah. falling and I shouldn't even have to care and I totally blame you for that because you're the one that told me to give this show a second chance um. and Oh my god. I <laughs> So when I heard that Hopper is for sure like coming back for those two seasons, I was like about to cry again. Like, thank God. Like I swear if you guys are lying to me. Yeah. I mean but... we all knew. <laughs> um but yeah, the the season four the production is expected to resume as early as seven um the seventeenth of September. Uh so that's kind of um, right around the time, you know, mid-September when things are going to start going into production again. I know Scream 5 hoping to shoot some stuff in either September or November. Um, and uh, I know, like, um, a couple of, you know, like, for instance, uh, The Witcher has uh, resumed production. Um, you know, if you have production outside of the United States, basically they're trying to start production as soon as possible. But if your show's based out of the U.S., you know, we're still, like, scattered on lockdowns and who knows what's going on it's super inconsistent so for them like they have to wait until you know atlanta and the atlanta mayor like lets up on some of those like covid restrictions before they can go full-fledged into production again but season five is exciting um actually i have the opposite reaction this news kind of like i'm excited but i'm not at the same time um i felt like season three was a penultimate season. And what I mean by that is it was the perfect season to tee us up for a, for a a series, you know, finale um, in the next season. And because I now know that we're potentially getting um, two more seasons, it kind of takes away like the weight of last season. Like I loved Steve's arc in season three and, and season three for me, like is the best season it is Um, yeah uh just in terms of and i think it's because you have established characters you have um new and interesting like storylines and at this point the characters have been able to grow and evolve and that's true for the actors too you know a lot of the younger (laughs) cast like has grown up making this series and it's really exciting when things like that happen because it, it gives it a level of um, authenticity that you otherwise wouldn't have if you were just doing like random time jumps, but they're doing time jumps in the show because everyone's growing up. Right. Um, and you know, you can only do that for so long. And so I thought season four was going to be the end. And when I heard that it might not be the end um, and the Duffer brothers, to be clear, say that it won't be the end. So they're pretty certain about it, um, which means I probably should be pretty certain about it too, because it seems like Netflix just lets them do whatever they want. Um, but uh, which is not a bad thing. Again, I want to. I want to be clear. It's just yeah. That sounds a little bitter, though. <laughs> uh, it did. It, I didn't mean it to come <laughs> off like that. It just <laughs> it kind of funneled out of my mouth before I could stop it. Um, I mean, you're right, though. Like, they do need to, like, speed things along if they want to keep the same kids. Because they, I mean, one of them's, like, 18 years old now. And I think she played a 12-year-old when she debuted. Yep, yep. Well, the thing, too, is, like, 
if if this if this pandemic has given them the opportunity to sit down and flesh out scripts and look at the end and kind of the tra- trajectory of the show, that's fine. But then production has to start way sooner on these things. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like after like basically by the time that they're ready to release a new season, they should probably be in pre-production, if not production on the next season. Um, especially now if they have the scripts like worked out and everything, um, it's going to be a lot easier for them to kind of release it much quicker. And, uh, so I, I, I believe that that's what they're going to try and do. But, you know, again, though, I love all these characters and I'm glad that I get to spend more time with them. And so that's mm-hmm. never a bad thing, but I do not absolutely do not want it to go past season five. Um, I think that's about my cap. Uh, where I'll start to probably not lose interest because it seems like they know they have a good handle on storytelling and how to um, keep it fresh and keep it moving. But I I just worry when things go on too long. Uh, it's with yeah. anything, really. Like, it's not just this, but uh, I just don't want it to wear on me because I want it to be one of those shows that hits that sweet spot, kind of like Breaking Bad was. And I mean, Netflix has been doing like a pretty good job with like trying to end their shows before yeah. it does get to that point. Yeah. So I mean, maybe yeah. they'll let them get away with everything, but but that. So well, that's what I was. I was I was under the guise that because basically most Netflix shows don't go past season four. So you know that was probably my like where I got the notion that it would probably be the last season. Right um, beyond that, they were talking about it being the last season too, but. uh but now with all this extra time that they had on their hands, uh, they just whipped up a season five scripts. Um, I don't know how far they've got on like the actual script process. Cause what there's 10 episodes in stranger things typically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if they have like all 10 episodes for season five already penned, but if they do, I mean, good for them. Uh, I just hope that it's a satisfying ending. Um, things recently have seemed to not stick their landing. So hopefully it's different with them. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully they they do give us like a satisfying. I know with uh like a satisfying ending because I know BoJack Horseman was on Netflix for a little longer than they usually allow their shows to go on for. Like you said, they usually only go on for four seasons, and I think BoJack actually ended with six. Yeah, but that show actually had pretty good potential to go on just a little bit longer and you can tell because in that last episode uh again i know this is like kind of an unpopular opinion but i didn't really like the last episode you from the halfway down probably should have been it but like in that last episode everything just felt super rushed to get to an ending and i mean i wasn't a fan of that and so i feel like they could have possibly gotten away with at least one last season so i'm i'm just hoping that like with stranger things now that they have the extra season to kind of get a better ending that's not super rushed they can actually give us something at least halfway satisfying yeah um that's the one good thing about having your scripts like worked out and knowing like where your show is going to go um is that you can kind of once you know like where you're ending up it it, honestly as a writer like i can tell you it gives you so much like flexibility in terms of like how to how to get there right because then it doesn't become what's the next step it's like I have an end. I know the end. What are some interesting things that I can do before we get there? It kind of mm-hmm. gives you an end point. That way you're able to fully flesh out and realize like 
what you want to do with the rest of your time. And uh, yeah, no, hopefully, hopefully it works for them. Um, but yeah, don't, don't go past season five, please. <laughs> um, so I want to move on now to our last news bit for the day. And that is uh, an updated cast list for Scream 5 um, via Cinema Blend. So they have um, a list of cast members going right now, and they're going to update it constantly once more people are attached. Uh, I have IMDb Pro, so I actually get notifications every time they cast someone, not only for like their actors, but I also get casting news for makeup department, visual effects department, and it's just been going crazy this past week. Like They've attached so many new people to the project, uh, which means they're in full-fledged pre-production keep in mind so they probably have more people lined up they just haven't announced anyone yet um nev campbell i i have a feeling like nev campbell probably will sign on but i guarantee you she will be one of the final people to sign on um and it's gonna it's not gonna be for any other reason than pr like it's just gonna be like it's gonna cement the excitement behind the film and once she's like trying to keep us like on the what? edge of our seat. Uh, so you think she's like trying to keep us like on the edge of our seat, like for yeah, as long I as do. possible? <laughs> now I do think it took them a minute to like convince her to come yeah. back. I I do believe that, but I believe for like marketing purposes and strategy, you want to announce her like close to the end, um, because basically once that happens, uh, your excitement meter is going to go up for everyone. Mm-hmm. So. They're probably keeping Nev Campbell locked away in a closet somewhere, just like her father. Um, but beyond yeah. that, we have two new faces. We have Melissa uh, Melissa Barrera and Jenny Ortega. Who I'm not and Jenny Jenna Ortega. I apologize. I do not know either of these people. Um, I'm not familiar with them in the slightest. Uh, are you? Um, Melissa, I did a little bit of background on on those two because when i saw their names on the articles i didn't really recognize them either mm-hmm. uh, but i guess melissa barrera is actually really famous in mexico for her film work yeah. and i think she even has a, a netflix original that's in spanish uh mm-hmm. it's something about soccer i guess <laughs> and mm-hmm. um the other one is actually pretty well known in disney and uh the netflix series you she was in the second season yeah um she played uh like uh, his um landlord's daughter or sister right yeah um so i am familiar with her from like there but as far as her disney discography like i have no idea um (laughs) and uh so it's interesting they are definitely assembling like a younger cast um, kind of like they did with Scream 4, which totally makes sense. Uh, yeah. It seems like they kind of want to keep it centered around like high school. And like, um, I don't know necessarily how I f- feel about the the we're remaining in high school trope um, that occurs within that franchise. I think that's the one thing that I really hesitate about. Um, do you have any sort of feelings about that? Like casting? I know there's a lot of controversy because everyone was like, these, these actresses are too young. Um, but I think it's a good sign that things are actually changing because for the longest time, 30 year olds would get cast as high school right. students. And like, it's like, come on, dude. So at least they're like trying to be a little consistent with it. Um, but would you rather see this in like college? Would you rather see it like um, outside of college and just like in the real world, like adult life? Or do you want to keep it like centered around high school? So I, I have a bit of a theory that I'm kind of working on right now based on like I I did I I definitely noticed the age that was the first thing I noticed because I was like wasn't she like a teenager 
in you wasn't she like 12 <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i checked out her age and yeah she's only like 17 years old mm-hmm. and first of all like total side note i am super jealous of her because when i was her age you have no idea how badly i wanted to be in a scream movie i know so- i sent in my resume <laughs> i sent in my resume for scream 4 actually like i did it i did um i was like i'm gonna fly out there you know to wherever they're filming at the time i think it was in north carolina and i was like i yeah. will fly out there and i will be in that damn movie if it, if it the amount of like burning jealousy i have for this chick is unreal like i was one of those kids that literally wanted to remake scream 4 with my friends because i just wanted to be in one so badly and so I hope she appreciates being that age, being that young in a screen movie, because she literally has my dream role right now. So I hope she shows a little bit of appreciation for that. Um, I think you've got to be pretty excited if you're, if you're, uh, especially if you're like, if, even though she's been in the industry for a while, you know, I feel like. Yeah, as a kid, right, as Disney. But I feel like even then you you have to have, like, she Jenna has to have some type of, like, appreciation towards, like, the franchise and, like, what it... Because you, you know when you're signing on to a Scream movie, like, how revolutionary the first one was for the slasher genre. And, like, it's a... Right. And so I don't think anyone that's cast is, like, oh, another fucking, like, boring-ass horror movie that I have to be <laughs> in. And like, and, like, you know, who knows how good it's right. going to be. It might be random acts of violence bad um you know but uh, i think there's there's a level of like there's a level of um certainty around you know the quality of screen films even though you know like the third one i know isn't regarded the best but uh people still have fun with it and it's still important so it's exactly. not yeah it's it's you have to know she has to know yeah, and I remember us saying last week uh we were talking about uh whether or not Hayden Panettiere was going to was going to sign back on. It was widely unlike theorized whether or not she actually died because it didn't actually show her like dead. It just showed her dying. So, you know, that whole thing. Um but I'm actually starting to think with an actress that young who actually bears a little bit of resemblance towards Nev Campbell, I'm starting to wonder if they aren't going to have Jenna Ortega be the quote-unquote replacement Sydney going forward, or if that's what they're going to imply in this movie. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely possible. Um, I'm not sure that you... If you're going to do that, like, my feeling... Uh, my feeling <laughs> is, like, you, like that's what they tried to do with Jill in the force scream. But like what they did with her, like it didn't work for me on initial watch, but like now I love, I absolutely love scream for it. It's like one of those like surprising, like, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising, but it's, it's a really good twist when you're like, Oh, she's the new Sydney. Like I don't necessarily care for Emma Roberts and her acting. Sometimes I don't, I I think she's fine. Let me be clear. It's just her acting sometimes is, is, uh, it's excruciating to watch, but I, um, you know, I was like totally fine with that, uh, subversion there where they were like, Nope, you think that she was the new Cindy? Nah, haha. She's the killer. Um, and she nearly kills your favorite character. Um, and the main one in scream and you're like, Oh, okay. Like, uh, that's different, but, uh, I kind of liked that. And so if they're actually trying to replace her, I, I did. Do you, 
do you think that they're going to kill her in the opening? Like, do you think that she's going to die in the opening? I don't think they're going to go the Halloween route with that necessarily. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I really don't think they're actually going to kill Sydney. I think something's going to happen with uh, Jenna Ortega's character to where a, a new string of killer, like, whether it's implied or we get new movies in the future, I think something's going to happen that's going to in, insinuate that the killer is going to actually start going after Jenna Ortega. Like mm-hmm. something, something's going to happen. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I really don't think that they're going to kill Sydney. I think they're just going to let her be dumb, but something's going to happen. That's, that's going to target Jenna Ortega's character and have her just start being attacked after that. Mm -hmm. yeah she should probably be in the background i agree with that i don't think we should be continuing the everyone wants to kill sydney prescott because i think that's a little tired at this point um so i i agree with that analysis and that they're probably going to shift the focus a little bit um yeah um so uh one thing i do want to talk about real quick uh we got this covered actually posted an article and and I don't think I've openly talked about this, but we got this covered is so toxic. So I just want to be clear. They're not an official news source, though the rumors that they post sometimes do come true. And so I want, I want you to take this news with a grain of salt, but eight months ago, Hayden Panettiere uh, took to, um, I believe uh, Instagram or Twitter, one of those two, um, but social media nonetheless. And she posted a, a selfie of her, um, and a new haircut. And she said, quote, channeling my inner Kirby, hashtag scream for she wrote. Really? And this is eight months ago. Um, and, you know, the radio silence directors have already told us that this has been in the works for a couple of years. So in my mind, like, I, I do believe that we might act- actually get a glimpse of Hayden Panettiere. Um, because it just time timing wise, like it makes total sense. And if you think about it, they were probably ready to release this information last year, or at least at the beginning of the year before Corona hit and then Corona hit. But because this was back, you know, eight months ago, um, that, that basically puts it right at the beginning of the year folks. And, uh, that's right around the time that we got wind that they were doing this. So, uh, it kind of makes sense in my mind. How do you feel about that? Right off the top of my head, I am thinking like three different scenarios that they could go with the Kirby character. And all three, I actually don't really hate just because I would love to see her again in these movies. She was, she was the best one in Scream 4, hands down. Yeah. And I'm thinking either A, she'll be the opening kill, which will be really interesting because of the whole... I'm thinking back to like Scream 3 when they did that with Cotton. Yeah. You know, they finally established him as like part of the gang, not really a killer. And then the next one, they just, he was the opening kill, him and his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, Two, they'll do to her like they did with Randy Meeks, like having him survive the first one, but then end up killing him off in the second one sometime throughout the film. Um, Or the third way. I mean, I see potential of creating like a whole new trio of characters continuing on, like a whole new Gale, whole new Dewey, whole new Sydney. So, I mean, they could possibly do that with Kirby and whoever Jenna Ortega's character is going to be. Yeah, well, I would assume if Kirby lived in Scream 4, she's probably still in Woodsboro. 
Um, right. So she's, if if we're centering the story around Woodsboro again, I I believe that it's it's safe to assume that she at least knows who uh, Jenna Ortega's family is, like her character right. family, um, and maybe like even there's some relation there, and that's how we're connecting back. Maybe Kirby's alive; it starts happening. Kirby calls in the cavalry to come back and like be like, "Hey, uh, it's starting again." Um, <laughs> but uh, I-, I could see that happening. Um, but it's really interesting the timing, right? Like I, the timing is almost too coincidental for me to just let it slide. Like it's like right. post. Um, so I do think that we're we're going to have Hayden Panettiere come back at least for a little bit. Um, I just I just looked at that article when we were talking about it. Uh, I was like researching as you were talking and then I saw that pop up and I was like, oh man, like <laughs> it's a little too on the nose. So uh, that's exciting. Yeah. It really is. I mean, whatever they decide to do with this movie, I am really looking forward to it. There's so, so many possibilities. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I think we've exhausted our discussion. We, I mean, we could both talk about scream and horror movies good. decades <laughs> on this show. Uh, we could have a continuous podcast stream for like three years, and I'm sure we would have enough to talk about to fill it. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> with all that being said, I want to now move into our review for uh, Shutter release over the weekend. Um, that would be uh, Jay Baruchel's Random Acts of Violence. So we'll tackle that for you. In just a second. Oh my god. Now, don't think I would let you off that easy without at least one more ad read. The good news, though, I'm simply trying to tell you about our website, theburrreviews.com. We have plenty of articles and reviews for you to read as you ponder your existence during these trying times. Like indie movies? How about blockbusters? The good news is we cover all types of film, but we especially love a good horror movie. So, if you're a Nebraska local looking for a review of your latest project, we got you. Simply search theboroughreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. If you have a short or feature film you'd like for us to review, and you aren't a Nebraska filmmaker, we'll still cover your film at no charge. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. Now, not every submission will be accepted, but it is always worth a shot. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, so Random Acts of Violence. Um, So this released actually last year, I believe, um, at a festival. So it was a festival release, and it it had pretty mixed reception at the festival. So just to give you... um, a reference here about like how the critics viewed it. It has a 33% on a meta score. So that's not great. Um, and also the users, the user review is down, I think at 4.9 on IMDb. As far as Rotten Tomatoes goes, it's a little like all over the place. And I was quite surprised. Um, so you have random acts of violence sitting at 65% right now. Um, there is no audience score because there's not enough ratings yet for it. But uh, I was just curious to know, like, right off the bat, like, I want to get scores out of the way so we can talk about everything that, like, all all of this madness in this film that... Mm, okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I, I think out of 10, if we're talking, like, an out of 10 rating, um, I don't usually 
do that um, on my site anymore. I do it. Uh, I use a five star star scale, but I would have to give it a three out of 10. And then as far as the five star scale rating, that would be a 1.5 out of five. Um, where are you at? Uh, pretty much the same as you, either three or four out of 10. Okay. Uh, the only thing that saved it was, I guess. Jordana Brewster? Uh, actually, she was my least favorite. I found her really oh, annoying. Really? Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I didn't like her. No, I didn't like Jesse Williams. So, uh, and that I was didn't like any of them. No, I didn't. I, I literally could care less about like everyone in this except for oh his mom God. except for um i think clark Bacco is her name um and i i absolutely love her and she didn't even have any speaking like lines and maybe that's why i liked her so much i was like ah good you're not talking um <laughs> like you already so what went wrong here um i think a couple of things uh it kind of alludes to um, the themes that it's trying to touch on, for instance, are themes of what does mass violence in media do to people and is does life imitate art? Um, it's a question that horror, really meta horror often asks. And as far as it goes to try and be meta, um, it doesn't really have a purpose of being meta. It's not commenting on anything. At least with most meta horror, it's commenting either on the genre itself or like the audience horror's audience. This isn't doing either of those things. So it's trying to be meta without having a purpose of being meta. And while there are some cool things in it, for instance, like the, the comic book stuff, the animations are, I guess, kind of cool. Um, I've seen it done way better in other things. Um, for instance, what was that blood fest that came out a couple of years ago? It's like the rooster teeth um, movie. Uh, horror slasher i guess it um, mm-hmm. resembled Bloodfest, um which we or hellfest which we watched uh it kind of came out within like a couple of months they have like animated bits of that movie and it's far better than what they did here um and i don't know if it's because the script wasn't up to par i don't know if it's because um technically it's jay baruchel's like directorial horror debut uh i don't know what went wrong with this movie but you have such an a-list cast um okay fine uh maybe maybe an a to b list cast um and, <laughs> and the fact that it doesn't come off that way and it comes off as like a high school like thesis project for your like your uh film club is what it felt like to me and it felt so scattered and misplaced that i within 20 minutes of watching this movie knew that I wasn't going to like it. Um, and usually it takes me a long time to get to that conclusion. But as I was watching it, I was like, I, I laughed. Like I was laughing at things and not, not in a good way either. Not like Anthony Anderson's death in scream four, which we were just talking about. That's funny. And I can laugh <laughs> at that, uh, but it's a good laugh. It's in a good way at this. I'm laughing because like, I don't know what emotion to feel. And um no one's likable and i kind of i kind of wanted to like burn my eyes after watching this movie not gonna lie um it's probably one of the worst movies that i've seen this year and uh i know that i'm still giving it points so you're probably confused but we'll talk about maybe some of the positives in a bit i want to get your initial reaction i was very bored watching this Mm -hmm. i was just I was so bored. I kept trying to stay in it and I really 
there were moments that really had me, but yeah. not in a good way. No. I mean, like you said, this is Jay Baruchel's directorial debut. He was among a cast of four with Jesse Williams, Jordana Brewster, and Nev Wilson. Jesse Williams, Jordana Brewster, and Nev Wilson have all been in at least one horror movie. Jay Baruchel mm-hmm. has never been in a horror movie, and it really shows based on how this movie is. I don't know if he's never even seen one before. Oh. <laughs> oh. I just it's just you can tell. You can tell that he's the one that hasn't been in a horror movie based on how this movie went. And he I feel so seem like he likes it. Right? Like, like I guess uh, he's not even enjoying himself like filming it. And at the very least, like with films, like you even if the film isn't great, you typically still have fun filming because it's right. Filming. And um, he even played himself as a really miserable character. Like even on screen, he just yeah. looked like he didn't want to be there. And it's like, I'm so sorry. Do you not like your own film? <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised because I like the meta commentary that he that he has on his like under his belt sometimes. Like for instance, this is the end, right? That is right. a great movie. He's I actually so really like his movies. character in it. He plays himself. Like I I don't know what went wrong here. I think I mean you we watched that that new Halloween movie that was directed by someone who's known in the comedy field. You've got Jordan Peele who's known in the comedy field. And I mean, Jay Baruchel, he's so funny. I love him and the characters that he's in because he's always that like scrawny little lovable weirdo and he plays it really well. He just, he really just did not grab the hook on horror like those other ones did. I just, it was just so weird. And the killer was so stupid. Yeah. (laughs) 10, 12, 18. And he, like, he had to, like, psych himself up like a little wrestler before he, like, killed people. And it's like, if you don't want to kill people, then what are you doing (laughs) killing people? (laughs) No killer has to psych themselves up to kill someone. Just do it. It it made sense for the first batch of kills for me. Like, it actually worked. The manic kind of state. Um, What were those characters? Like, the three characters that were killed. Oh, those teenagers? With the, the, what? Flat, the teenagers with the flat tire yeah 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 i don't uh, know their character names but i don't um, either i didn't the, care the the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the male character got brutally just was getting wrecked like i mean he was getting stabbed so many times and that manic nature of the killer like pacing and like walking around worked for that kill especially because he hadn't it, it was suggested that he hadn't killed in years um oh so like it kind of like worked for me and that was really the only kill that I even remotely like liked. Because I can't even say that I liked any of the kills here. Uh, Jay Baruchel's character, Ezra, uh, deserved a way more brutal death than he got. And honestly, Jordana Brewster dying and not Jesse Williams is um, strange. Uh, because Jesse Williams' acting is uh, not great here. And I know the guy is not like the best actor, but um, even in the cabin in the woods, like he was at least likable. Like, Jesus, right. like, why, why did we make this movie? Uh, it has <laughs> nothing to say. It has nothing good going for it, except maybe the ending, like um, the ending set 
decorations. Uh, I, I think that whoever the set dresser was for the ending scene when we're at the dinner table, um, that looked like beautiful in its own morbid way, right? Like it was straight out of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, yeah. stuff like that in the aftermaths of deaths were probably the high points for me. They were like yeah, really gruesome, but really cool to look at. Yeah, um, but the deaths themselves, when they were actually occurring on screen, um, no. and everything no. leading up to the deaths, like not great, uh, no. <laughs> truly not great. Um, and the motivation too. What was his? So his motive. Let me get this straight. The killer, who is by the way, his name on IMDb, um, his official character name is the man. Uh, <laughs> so not, not slasher man. Not not what they were going for in the movie. It's the man. Um, uh, he, um, has this weird fetish, I guess, for, uh, Todd's who Todd is, um, the character played by Jesse Williams. Uh, Todd is a comic artist and he, um, has issues dealing with, uh, serial killers specifically, uh, real, like a serial killer based on real life called Slasher Man. Um, and this, Slasher Man uh, was a serial killer that was active from like, I think 87 to like 90 or something like that. 91. Yeah. Um, he wasn't active long and he only had six kills, I believe. But uh, Todd, um, as as a comic artist, is is drawing Slasher Man and doing these R-rated comics. And I guess Slasher Man was taking inspiration from that because he mentions at the end that he wasn't killing because he didn't need to. Um because essentially, like, uh, Todd was drawing his kills for him. So it, like, filled that void or something for him. And then Thanks. in addition to that, I know it sounds dumb. He's like, and I know you're having trouble. Slasher Man at the end is like, I know you're having trouble, like, like concluding your comic series. So I just wanted to, all of this was for you. And I want you to kill me now. I want you to kill me to give to give your comic series an end. Uh, we're full spoilers at this point. I don't even care. It's um, it did did any of the motivations behind Slasher Man um, taking up the mantle again because the comic strip was coming to an end? Uh, does that make sense to you? Does that work for you? Well, it's a little weird because I don't remember Todd ever asking him to kill his friends. Well, so. that, <laughs> exactly. And it's then a little weird, but. And then somehow he's like, this was all a gesture for you. Like, I did this all for you. And it's like, um, you're that's a little weird. Like, maybe if you were doing it to random people to give him some inspiration, like, maybe that would make sense. But the fact that you're targeting, you literally have an automatic rifle, a semi-automatic rifle that you're shooting at a car. And, right. and while you're shooting it at the car, you don't think that you're going to hit him at some point. Like, you don't think you're going to hit your savior at some point. I just, I don't. I don't understand. Like, it felt it like a gory, that. like ripoff of misery. Like, it was just weird, and it really did not fit into the movie well. It just no. seemed like some idiot that liked comic books, and I didn't like it. Also, I don't usually like doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, let me pull it up. Um, I want to specifically talk about a couple of things that um, that I didn't like, as far as like. Um, actual like filmmaking goes because um uh yeah andrew gordon and mac edited this movie and the way it's edited is 
jarring and i understand that and i understand it's supposed to disorient you especially like with the color corrections by the art department sophia ward um and the art department and you're supposed to have this very jagged very rough like um kind of artsy movie but the issue is it's not consistent with its own techniques right um there are too many techniques so it feels at some points like style over substance except the style isn't really that great like they it it takes it tell itself too seriously and it's too um i i guess it's (laughs) i don't know how to how to say these things nicely about this movie it's like Um, the comment that i was telling you earlier isn't it like christmas why is there so much fuchsia yeah they they try to make it like artsy fartsy for like the flashback scenes and it was just really weird and like you said it did not tie into the movie well well not even for like the the flashback scenes there were moments where we had green hues and yellow hues um uh, like present day like while they were driving like the moon being green and like um it happens once again when todd's in his like motel for the day writing um or drawing i guess he uh in in the in the foreground in the background um actually excuse me there is green curtains and and of, of course like the green and red it's supposed to like i guess i guess it's supposed to like um it's supposed to reflect christmas time but at the same time, like you're in, you're in America, you're in New York. Where's, where's the snow? Like what, what, like what indicates as far as your like actual like locations that it's Christmas time, other than you putting a reef, slapping a, a 99 cent wreath on the door and uh, color correcting your film with green and red hues. There's really nothing that indicates that it's Christmas time at all. Um, or, you know, I guess because right there are, are they supposed to be like, like in the holiday season, like during the present day in this movie, or is it just the flashbacks and they're well, with the present day? Yeah. And like you said, like it's New York. They're like, they seem to be implying that it is the holiday season in the beginning of the movie. They were in Canada yeah, and there's no snow in the middle of winter in Canada. Really? So yeah. like, they just make it so confusing. Yeah, it's super inconsistent, super jarring, and not in a good way. Not in like a a Suspiria way where you are using colors and you're you're using a very like art house style of filmmaking. Um, but Suspiria, you know, Dario Argento's original Suspiria, it, it's so like it's so artsy, but at the same time, it, it's consistent with its technique and its execution. Um, y- things might seem weird in the movie itself but overall it is a whole package here i feel like we have like 10 different movies converging um and all of it is so strange and i didn't like it one bit and i was watching this by the way linda i didn't watch this movie until about three in the morning so i'm sitting here at three in the morning i was like i can't sleep i was like ah fine well if i put on you know maybe a good horror movie maybe like i'll lose myself in the movie a little bit and then i'll go to bed i was up until 7 a.m uh, because I couldn't sleep after this, and because I was just thinking about how awful my life must be. Oh no! Be watching that movie at three in the morning. Um, 
It was like when I told you the last time I saw you, I watched Halloween 2 from the remake because I was really bored. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Although I think even Rob Zombie did a better job than Jay Baruchel did in this Oh, no, he stays in his lane. He he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and I don't like Rob Zombie's films, but that's just, I think it's a taste choice. I don't think, I think there are people that like those films. It's very fair. Yeah. Um, This movie, I don't, I don't foresee it having any cult following or anything. Also, someone needs to tell Jesse Williams, where is Jay Baruchel when Jesse Williams is doing the same, like, overly expressive, like, melodramatic reaction the whole entire movie, where his eyes go (laughs) wide and he's like, whoa, dude, it reminds me of, like, Keanu Reeves, like, in, like, Bill and Ted, like, I don't, I don't, he's, like, like, he sees, like, his assistant's, like, head cut off, and he's, like, whoa, dude, and, like, man, and it's, and he doesn't say it, but it's all in his facial expression, I'm, like, dude, you're, like, you're, like, you're sticking out, like, a sore thumb here, like, in the acting department. It's a bad sign when you can tell that this, that a project is someone's directorial debut. That is not good. Um, I think either Jay Baruchel needs to go back to comedies or just to do a lot more research and a lot more practice before putting out another movie. Because this was a very rough start for him. Yeah, um, it definitely wasn't great. Uh, I don't think I really have anything else to say other than the ending set piece was really cool. And um, at different points in time, I really like um, some of the technique that they were using. But the issue was, is they were trying to do too much. They were using different techniques too often. Um, And I think at a certain point, it became completely separated from the original intention, which was to make it kind of this weird um, underground kind of cult movie. Uh, It didn't work at all. And I think that the actors... um, for me, particularly, Jordana Brewster did the best that she possibly could with the script. Uh, but everyone else kind of fell flat. And also, can we talk about how we get that your movies are rated um, and we get that you're trying to have a meta commentary on how media influences culture and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you don't need to drop F-bombs every two words in order for you know people to understand that your films are rated. I think they got the point when they were watching the film violently stabbed like 30,000 times in the front seat of the car. Oh um, my god. You know, I think I think we kind of got the hint right there that it was an R-rated movie. Um <laughs> so dropping F-bombs here and there all the time just doesn't make any sense, but yeah, I don't know, that's about all I've got to say <laughs> about about um, <laughs> random acts of violence because uh, here I'll I'll read you my letterbox review real quick. It's it's so small, it's so simple, but it sums it up pretty well um, in my opinion. So on letterbox I wrote, unfortunately, random acts of violence is a shallow is as shallow as the title would suggest. It's a rare kind of slasher you can't even really have fun with, and that pretty sum- that pretty much sums up like my entire feeling about the film was there anything yeah. else you wanted to add before we move on um you can't just slap glasses on any old person and then be like okay now they're a nerd <laughs> that trope is wow, so tired like oh my god it drives me nuts they're like we have to make sure that people don't confuse her with the fast and furious lady oh wait <laughs> she is the fast and furious lady why is she in this movie um i i imagine that they'll probably give her more 
a more substantial role um, in the next Fast and Furious film than they did in this movie, uh, which it kind of amazes me, to be honest. But um, yeah, uh, that's about all. We're at uh, three out of 10, folks. So yeah. um, watch the film if you dare. Uh, but there is much better stuff that you can you can watch right now on streaming and on Shutter itself too. So I recommend just staying far away from this one unless you want to like sit down with your friends and and um, laugh at a movie, but not in a good way. Uh, you're you're not gonna have fun. So I just no. avoiding it. But uh, okay, um, why don't we get into the last thing that I want to talk about today, which is. Um, what is streaming? Uh, we're going to talk about what's streaming this weekend. Um, and before we do that real quick, I just want to touch on, uh, death on the Nile. The trailer just released. Um, it's kind of the next, uh, the next installment of the murder on the Orient express series, um, or franchise, I should say rather. Did you watch murder on the Orient express at all when it came out? Um, no, uh, it got good reviews, but I was an idiot and let people talk me out of watching it. So Mm -hmm. I, after watching this trailer, I, I might actually like just say screw it and, and watch it. So then I can watch death on the Nile. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a fine trailer. I, I, it doesn't really excite me all that much. It kind of gives me, it's kind of a little duller than the murder on the Orient Express trailers, like led led me to believe. Because like those ones were at least sort of exciting. They like really played into the cast element. Here they're doing the same, and Kenneth Branagh's back is his character from the murder. But um, I I think I'll watch it. But like again, I I'm not really certain because it doesn't thrill me nearly as much as the first one did. But, you know, I'm glad that we're getting more, like, murder mysteries, because those are always fun. Knives Out was great. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think those are the ones that I want to see more of. I want to see Ryan Johnson make more of the kind of murder mysteries, the Agatha Christie uh, whodunits. Uh, I want to see more from Ryan Johnson. And um, from what I can tell, uh, people are receiving the trailer really well, but it just might not be for me, which is okay. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. I mean, I... I am interested in in watching it just because it does look interesting. But I do agree with you. I wasn't a huge fan of the trailer. Like, it just, it piggybacked too much off of what they did with Murder on the Orient Express, like with their trailer. So it seems like super copycat. So Mm -hmm. it makes me worry a little bit that the story might just be the exact same thing. So... Uh, but one thing that really shocked me in the trailer was seeing Russell Brand because you really do not see him anymore. No, <laughs> so I'm, not at I'm all. That, that dude is doing his yeah. own thing usually. Oh yeah, and so I kind of want to watch it just to see if he's actually any good in it. He's usually he, he's very Russell Brand in almost anything that oh, he yeah. does, which works really well for some projects and other projects. It's like oh my god, like. So as long as they, I think as long as they keep him like, uh, tamed and as long as they keep him like doing his own little thing and we're not like focusing entirely on his character, I think we'll be okay. Um, Russell Brand is best in small doses, I find. Um, He really is, yeah. Yeah, but I really like, I really like him when, when, um, he picks the right projects. So. And this, this one seems like it's like really out of his comfort zone. Like I can't even think of anything off the top of my head that he's been in that's that 
even resembles like murder mystery. So it kind of intrigues me. Like maybe this will show a different side of him on, on the acting spectrum, or maybe he'll be an absolute idiot. Like he always is. So (laughs) (laughs) with all due respect, I think Russell Brand is pretty funny. I mean, he does play idiots. And so in all fairness, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think about like what I liked him best in, and I, I believe it was that what he was like in a Seth Rogen like romantic comedy, right? Like Forgetting I, Sarah Marshall, was that it? What? Was it Forgetting Sarah Marshall? It yeah yeah it was actually yes yeah he uh, was hilarious in that. Than Seth Rogen right yeah um I really liked him in that uh I thought that that was probably one of the best roles that he's picked thus far. Um, <laughs> I know about you. Like, what stands out to you? Oh, definitely forgetting Sarah Marshall. I I used to love that movie when I was younger. I thought it was like the peak of hilarity. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I was like fifteen. So, <laughs> but I mean, I just think like he played a musician in that movie, and his songs in that in that movie yeah. and Get Into the Creek yeah. are just so stupid, but so freaking funny and oh i just i think he is like a genuinely funny guy and he does play characters pretty well um but like you said i mean it really depends on how long they have him on screen because he is Mm -hmm. really better in small doses having those like funny one-liners so i am interested to see what else he can do and if he can be able to be on screen long enough without anyone being sick of him yeah, I think, like, honestly, I do believe, uh, I know we, we've talked more about Russell Brand than we have the actual trailer. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's kind of what happens in these situations. I do think that, like, he would be really, like, good in, like, a dramatic role. I, I haven't really seen him, like, in any dramatic role. I don't know if he has played any dramatic roles. I'm sure he has, but I'm just not aware of them. Um, but, like, I do think that he would probably be pretty good in, like, um in, like, a drama. I know that, like, you know chris tucker for instance i haven't seen that guy in forever but when he did silver linings playbook it was a new side of chris tucker that i hadn't seen before so you obviously comedians can do a lot of things because they you know hone their craft um specifically around like improv and like being funny Mm -hmm. and when you can think quick like that on your feet i imagine it's probably pretty easy to dig your like heels into like a project that is wholly dramatic and um really serious so i'd be interested to see if he does something like that in the future right yeah no i mean i just went through his whole filmography i think the only thing closely resembling like a drama or anything that isn't comedy is just bit pieces from tv shows like crime dramas and stuff so this is definitely like a brand new thing for him and i i saw these two other actors of from that trailer uh that i actually really like too i like them in Coraline. i'm trying to think of their name i know one of them's jennifer saunders Hmm. and uh let me hang on (laughs) Uh, oh don french and jennifer saunders they Mm. basically like played themselves in Coraline, and i really like those two because i know they're also in like a comedy troupe together so i i was really happy to see them on here as well i think they'd be a really good addition to the cast 
Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, excitement levels vary for this. Um, neither of us have seen murder, murder on the Orient Express, which is really, um, interesting cause we're talking about it, but it was really the only like trailer that I saw that even yeah. remotely look, looked good this week. So I thought we'd give it a shot to talk about it. Um, Moving on to our final segment, I want to talk about what is streaming currently, because there is a lot at all points of time on streaming, and we kind of want to make sure that we weed out a lot of it and give you the best possible choices. So what's new to streaming? We have got a few things. Um, For instance, I know that Lucifer just released the latest season on Netflix. Uh, Do you watch Lucifer at all? I I actually don't. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things. I tried to watch the first couple of episodes, um, and it's not that I didn't like it or anything, but I just kind of uh, stopped like watching right. it for one reason or another. Not any specific reason, but um, I liked what I saw. So, I mean, it seems interesting. I, I mean, I honestly have no good excuse for not watching it. It's just something i i might just get around to seeing once i'm done with the stuff that i am watching right now but i just i guess it just hasn't piqued my interest quite enough to have me actually jump on it yet yeah well i know netflix has like tried to cancel it because it was canceled on fox and then netflix picked it up right and then they tried to cancel it and uh now people people really like lucifer and now they're um currently working on plans for a sixth season uh so that's pretty interesting um we also have high score on netflix um as we await the launch of the xbox series x and ps5 relive the early days of video games and high score six-part documentary that charts the golden area golden era in gaming from space invaders and pac-man to street fighter and mortal Kombat. um i might check this out actually i'm I'm a pretty like heavy gamer. Like I, I try and, you know, game whenever I have a free moment and uh, like picking apart the early days of like video games is really fascinating because my love for video games started uh, on my Xbox, the original Xbox. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just games are really interesting. And um, especially like with the release of the new consoles coming this year, supposedly, um, I say supposedly they've been confirmed for this year, but like still who knows like what um, what Corona has done for production of those consoles. So I know that people are already like enacting like the companies are already enacting limits uh, to the stores, to the retailers on how many people can buy just because there is likely going to be a shortage of them. Uh, We also have biohackers on Netflix. Uh, Mia starts medical school in Germany. Um, she works with a biology professor at the top of her field, but Mia has other motives. So that sounds like kind of a thriller. I haven't watched the trailer at all, um, but biohackers, uh, check it out on Netflix. And then we also have John was trying to contact aliens on Netflix. The Pentagon isn't the only one hunting for aliens. In rural Michigan, John Shepard has been broadcasting signals skyward for decades in the hopes of finding life on other planets. This 16-minute short film looks back on his journey to the stars and here on Earth. Um, yeah, th- this is cool. It's a short film, um, which is really strange for Netflix. They don't usually release stuff like that, not in bulk anyway. Um, so now that we have it, it's easily bingeable. Um, so I definitely recommend watching it, if for nothing else, uh, if the premise doesn't sound interesting um, to you. I would just try and watch it anyway to like give them the streaming 
uh, numbers on their end so they can actually see that people are turning out for kind of shorter content like a short film. Mm-hmm. We all City Slickers on Hulu. Um, for some classic early 90s comedy, fire up City Slickers on Hulu. Um, and it has a sequel, City Slickers 2, The Legends of Curly's Gold. Um, Jack Palance won an Oscar for his performance as Curly, leading to a memorable acceptance speech. Uh, so it's an older movie, kind of a cult classic from what it sounds like. Um, yeah. Check that out on Hulu. And then we also have The Swamp on HBO. Uh, with the 2020 campaign ramping up, uh, one major rallying cry from the 2016 election is still hanging around, Drain the Swamp. Uh, this HBO documentary series interviews three divisive Republicans in Congress who say they back that Drain the Swamp ethos with varying results. We have Matt Gates from Florida, Thomas Massey from Kentucky, and then Ken Buck from Colorado. Um, yeah, so that's streaming too. If you're a political person, I would check it out on HBO. Although, um, personally, like I don't like any of those three, uh, particularly Matt Gates. I kind of hate that guy, actually. Um, oh my god, he is part of like the new wave Republican, um, you know, Congress that has swept in. Kind of the the people are calling it kind of like we have like um, with the left too, where it's like this populist vision for the country. Uh, we have that, but on the right, and Matt Gates represents that. But I'm not going to get political on here. So. Uh, Anyway, if you if you want to check it out though, and you want to know more about kind of what the Republicans think of the drain the swamp etho, ethos, uh, check it out. But uh, was there anything that caught your eye that you kind of want to check out over the course of the next week? Like it doesn't have to be on that list, obviously. But was there anything that you're planning on watching? I haven't really seen much else outside of what was on that list that's that's coming out. Um, high score definitely piqued an interest with me just because when I do play games, it usually is the older retro games just because I'm a very like eighties nostalgic fan. So I like games like Mappy, Pac-Man, Space Invaders, just, you know, older games, but I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy watching other people just play them, which is what I feel like high score is going to do. Um, but I, I would actually watched john was trying to contact aliens i think that one looks really interesting it seems like a conspiracy theorist just trying to contact aliens so that seems like why not entertaining (laughs) i'll do it i honestly conspiracy theories involving aliens i'm all for it i'm not usually one that gets into conspiracy theories but if Mm -hmm. it involves aliens sign me right up yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of the same way. And Netflix has been putting out all of those like true crime, like documentaries and shows, right. and conspiracy theories, and all of that. So it's it seems pretty like on brand for them. But the fact that it's a short, I just want them to do more of that short form content like that. So yeah. I'm probably gonna check that out, and I probably will at least start an episode or two of High Score just to see what that show is all about. But uh, otherwise, nothing else really sounds interesting. What I don't want you to watch is random acts of violence on Shutter. <laughs> so uh, don't watch, watch it that. If you but, want, but I cannot guarantee that you'll sit through the whole thing. Yeah, you might not. Uh, I was really struggling there for a moment on if I wanted to finish it that night because I was kind of angry. Oh, I was about to text you like, Jared, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not I'm not watching the rest of this. I'm I'm bored. <laughs> I'm not feeling yeah usually I don't give up on films like that uh and half of it was it was such a short film too it was only an hour and like 26 minutes so I was like fine I can put up with it for a little bit longer but I don't want it yeah um, but even then host was good yeah <laughs> I mean, was great. 
it was good. You could sit through it. I watched it, what, four times now? And I still think it's good. Random Acts of Violence. I'm not watching it again. You can't make me. No. no. <laughs> it wasn't interesting. It wasn't funny. It wasn't meta. It had no purpose. Um, even the comic you know, bits at the beginning and end weren't too like revolutionary. So all right. in all, kind of just a meaning meaningless watch, in my opinion. And I like to get things out of my movies, even if it's just entertainment. But it really isn't packing anything other than a cool set at the end um, in Todd's like hometown home. But uh, other than that, like, um, yeah, like uh, I have nothing else to like say about about any of the uh, any of the streaming news. Um, So I guess we can kind of wrap up here. A uh, slow news week, but somehow we managed to talk about Scream Four for like fifty minutes. So um, <laughs> that was probably fun. just make a whole separate podcast for our for our Scream opinions because between you and me, we have we have a enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, yeah, some exciting news. Just nothing like really like groundbreaking in terms of industry news this week, which is okay. We can take breaks every once in a while. Yeah, uh, but thank you so much for watching. Um, I guess not watching, but listening. I said that. And as I was saying it, I was like, wait, I'm not doing a video right now. Funny enough, I was actually looking at the camera when I was doing that, like my computer camera. Um, I just got done recording like a, like a video podcast for uh, the Patreon um, campaign that we run um, over on patreon.com. So that's probably why I assume that we were recording. Um, For the government (laughs) watching, thank you for watching. Yeah, thank you for watching. Well, I'm so used to doing videos with you, too, is the other thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to share this podcast on all of the social media platforms that you possibly can. It really helps us out. Also, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, it seems to be a lot of people listen to us from either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So make sure if you're listening on an iOS device, you subscribe on um on Apple Podcasts, or if you use Spotify for your music, you might as well. Uh, their podcast integration on their app is actually pretty seamless. Uh, I use it a lot to get all my podcasts, so it's pretty easy there. And then also make sure to go support us either by uh, signing up to our Patreon campaign or we have some merch now live on the site again. Um, we're going to add more and more as time goes on. But I just wanted to kind of announce that we do have some back face masks and all. Um so if you if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, I would check it out on the site at thebrewerreviews.com slash merch. Otherwise, I think uh, we have exhausted our discussion for today. So thank you so much for joining me, Linda. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, we will, uh, you will hear from us again, um, certainly in the future and probably next Sunday because uh, we release shows every Sunday at 10 a.m. So you can catch us there. Otherwise, we hope you have a good rest of your week. Um, If you do go back out to the theater, stay safe, stay distant, and stay healthy. But that is all for me, and we'll, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.